Welcome to Fine Rambles, number 82. So I saw an article last week that says we've hit peak child. There are now 1.9 billion children on the planet, and that's the most there will ever be. It's all, <laughs> it's all downhill from there. The human race is on the decline, even if technically, because of longer lifespans, the total number of people on the planet is going to continue to increase for another 20, I think, or 30 years. And, you know, that idea of peak child strikes me as incredibly sad. You know, I've driven through some of these countries whose population is already starting to decline, and they're sad. They're sad. They're, they're empty. More than 10% of all the homes in Japan are now standing empty. More than 10%. They're, they're abandoned. And, you know, trust Japan, they even have a word for it. It's, uh, it's Akia. Akia for abandoned homes. You know, I really steer away from talking about the current war going on between men and women. I steer away from it because, you know, I'm not married. I don't have children. So I should just shut the fuck up. And, and perhaps I steer away because I don't think me talking about it <laughs> is going to do any good other than just you know, inevitably rub somebody's fur the wrong way. But, you know, fuck it. Let's tiptoe into this minefield from the point of view of peak child and uh, see if I can avoid winning a Darwin Award. There's a book by Robert Wright called The Moral Animal, and I really recommend it with a warning. It's a pretty brutal look at at humanity, at humans, and the instincts that have evolved. And one of the things I learned from the book is that both men and women have something called dual mating strategies. What this means is both of them want to have two kinds of sex, <laughs> basically. Let's take men. Men want a committed partnership with a woman who will be faithful and therefore devote all of her parenting resources to his child. But <laughs> he also wants to have affairs. And this is a low-cost, low-odds shot at having children he doesn't have to provide for or protect. In other words, you know, it's sort of a Hail Mary pass. And colloquially, we can think of the committed partnership as, you know, quote, the brunette and the, <laughs> and the affairs as the, quote, blonde. And more coarsely in culture, this has become known as the virgin whore dichotomy. Women, on the other hand, they want also a committed partnership with a man who will be faithful 
and therefore devote all of his parenting resources to her child. But she also wants to have affairs on the side with men of higher value, and she wants to have these affairs to get their better genes into her children. And colloquially, we can think of the committed partnership as marrying the good guy and the affairs as the bad boy. More coarsely, I think this is what culture is starting to refer to as the alpha fucks beta bucks dichotomy, or I guess for the PG crowd, alpha lays beta pays. So that's the evolutionary strategy. And that's what we are programmed, again, both men and women, by a billion years of natural selection to do. Now, my understanding, and again, if anyone has decent evidence for any other hypothesis, please let me know. But my understanding is that children fare best in a two-parent household. Everything becomes clear when you understand that children is what relationships are for. There's this amazing scene in the film Crazy Rich Asians. There's a wedding. Flower children, a very cute little boy and a very cute little girl, you know, come down the aisle and they're sort of dispersing flower petals. And Jordan Peterson talks about how we as a society enact rituals that we don't understand. And I never really understood the purpose of the flower girl. But watching this movie, it just became obvious. Everything else at the wedding, the flowers, the band, the outfits, the, the decorations, the, the rented hall, the gifts, you know, the blender and the bread maker and the silver... The guests at the wedding, the whole, the whole wedding itself, it only has one reason for being, one purpose, children. Weddings are about children. That's what it's all about. And again, you know, another scene that I think of is from the TV show Mad Men, when Pete and his wife, Pete Campbell and his wife Trudy, they're sitting in their you know, lavishly decorated Park Avenue 6. This apartment is very beautiful, and it's very cold, and it's very empty. And Trudy asks very bitterly, what is this all for? Children. It's for children. It just seems so bloody obvious that any culture that survives has to promote the welfare of children. Obviously. And that means society has to rein in our dual mating strategies. And instead, society has to promote two-parent households. They try to stick those two people together like glue in any possible way they can. They try to have both partners be virgins at the wedding, so they'll pair bond better and associate the pleasures of sex with that partner only. 
They, they try to isolate them from members of the opposite sex after they're married by making it a taboo for a wife to be alone with another man or a husband alone with another woman. They try to pressure the couple by having men regulate the behavior of the husband and women regulate the behavior of the wife. They try to have the married couple display their status as unavailable by having them wear wedding rings and, you know, cut their hair shorter and dress more conservatively. They try to incentivize them financially. They give them tax breaks. And they try to make separating difficult. They try to make the barriers to exiting the relationship as high as possible by making divorce a taboo. The parents of people that are my age still remember when if you wanted a divorce, you had to fly to Reno. <laughs> you had to fly to Reno to get your divorce. Heck, I mean, look what, look what Henry VIII had to go through. Now, in the name of progress, but which I would more accurately describe as a whole lot of different experiments all implemented at the same time, our society has stopped trying to stick married couples together. In fact, I would go so far as to say society now positively encourages the destruction of marriage. We, we encourage affairs. Look at Ashley Madison or sugar baby websites like Seeking Arrangement. And when someone who's married has an affair today they're as likely to be congratulated by their friends as condemned. We, we encourage married men and women to interact continuously at the workplace. And let me tell you, the office is probably the sexiest environment there is after the library. I know that's counterintuitive, but it's true. We, we encourage single-parent homes by... by by financially incentivizing mothers to kick the father out of the house in order to get higher payments from the government. And finally, we now encourage divorce, especially by women. They get the house. They get the kids. They get the kudos. Women initiate 70% of divorces. And why not? They're incentivized to do it. And you know, I think I get it. I feel like I can steel man the arguments for all of these experiments. Consenting adults and equality and freedom and happiness and personal fulfillment, blah, blah, blah. And those are great things. That's great. But the result is that the constraints society put on the dual mating strategies of both men and women are weakening, and maybe they're gone completely. Ask yourself this, why should a woman marry the good guy anymore and, you know, stay married when she doesn't need him anymore? She doesn't need him to provide or protect. And the same is true on the other side. Why should men marry the brunette when he sees these enormous societal forces weakening, dissolving the glue of marriage. Now, I don't think anyone's to blame, per se, 
both men and women are responding rationally (laughs) to the changes in their environment. But the result is tragic, in my opinion. Men and women are growing apart. Can we acknowledge that? Men and women aren't sticking together, neither before they get married nor once they get married. The glue isn't working because we've convinced men that they don't need women and we've convinced women that they don't need men. And maybe there's a decent argument there. Maybe. Maybe. But children need two parents. And there may be fewer kids than ever. There may not be enough children to prevent the decline. But the kids keep coming. And once they come, they suffer. As always, it's the most vulnerable people who suffer, who pay the price. And when parents don't get married, or when parents split, it's the child that suffers. It's the child's world that is devastated, torn apart. And the outcomes are only too clear. The data are abysmal. Mental health problems, physical health problems, much, much higher rates of abuse and and death, of imprisonment, of suicide. In 1965, Daniel Patrick Moynihan pointed out the risk of single-parent households. In 1965, 25% of African-American children were being born out of wedlock. And for white Americans, the rate was lower than 5%. Again, that's 1965. Today, 30% of white American children are born out of wedlock. For Latinos, the rate is over 50%. And for African-American children more than 70% are being born out of wedlock. That is the result of the policies of our government and, and the multiple simultaneous experiments of our society. I wish all of this was not true. And if I've made a boneheaded mistake, please let me know. I want to be wrong. Because, because I think men and women are going to continue to grow further apart. I'll make a prediction. I think fewer children will continue to be born. And family is one of the largest sources of meaning and motivation in life. For men and for women. What gets a generation out of bed in the morning if they don't have children? What gets a generation to invest in the future and think past their own lifetime if they don't have children? On that note, that's all I've got. I'll catch you next week.